isn't she good? She's really good. Uh, before we get started, there is uh, a change in our program. Pastor Ryan would like to make a change here. Uh, we're going to move the message from where it's posted in the bulletin up to right after uh, greeting one another. Okay? So we're going to greet everybody and then sit down and Pastor Ryan is going to give his message and then we'll pick up from there. He is not feeling 100% and would like to get it complete and uh, that's what we're going to do. So, and I said, I asked him if he falls over up there, passes out, should we carry him out or leave him lay? And he said, just leave him lay and we'll take care of it later. So that's what we're going to do. Now, there is a little bit of official business we have to take care of uh, concerning Pastor Ryan. We have to reaffirm his licensing as a pastor and uh, the district does this every year around this time in, in December or early or late November. And all it takes is a vote from the congregation to reaffirm his licensing for another year. Now, I realize that he is moving on, but next year it will be East Fairview's responsibility. But this year, since he's with us, it's our responsibility. So, we basically have a motion on the floor from the district to reaffirm Pastor Ryan licensing as pastor in the Church of the Brethren. Little little information also, if I could just talk to Joel and uh, Elaine and Amy after the service, uh, I would like to do that. And, uh, and, and Mel also, where's Mel? Oh, Mel left, of course. Okay, all right. So if I can talk to those three people after the service, we'll, we'll do that. Just for, just for a second, because I, I have to leave also. All right, so much for the announcements and so forth. We have an Advent reading, and Christine and Paul are going to do that. I'm going to pass this microphone on to them. from various Old Testament passages. Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 5, Isaiah 7, verse 14, and Isaiah 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and tell her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid, that from the Lord's hand she has received double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. Of all of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now we'll be reading Micah 5, verse 19, and Hosea 11, verse 1. But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are small among the tribes of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins of all and from ancient times. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The witness of the prophets, what they saw and what they said. Advent is a season immediately prior to Christmas. Many Christians around the world celebrate the four Sundays leading up to Christmas with the lighting of candles, reading scripture about the birth of the Lord Jesus, and describing the importance of that wonderful event. By doing these devotional readings each week, we are turning our hearts and attention to the birth of Christ. We hope this emphasis will help all of us to focus on our Lord and Savior throughout the month of December. Today we have lit the first candle in the Advent wreath, officially beginning the Advent season. The theme we have selected this year is Witnesses of the First Advent, what they saw and what they said. Today we focus on the witness of the Old Testament prophets, what they saw and what they said. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of unseed witnesses. These are all the witnesses of our faith that have gone on before us. In all, there are more witnesses than we could ever count. But there are some very key witnesses. For example, the scripture passages we have just read are the witness of the prophets to the coming of our Lord Jesus. Centuries before he was born, the prophets witnessed to his coming. The prophets witnessed was before it happened. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they could see the Messiah's coming. They could see him redeeming his people, Israel. They could see him redeeming all people from their sins. Even today, we may hear the witness of what they saw. Their words, do you hear what they said? That God knows, that God cares, that God has a, had a plan, that God is faithful, that God shines his glory, that God gives a virgin as a sign, that this child may be God with us, that he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, that he'll be born in Bethlehem, and that he will come out of Egypt. That's what they said. This is their witness. As we progress each week through this Advent season, may we find wonder and joy encountering these special scriptural witnesses. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father for the witnesses in your word. Thank you for the truth and reality of your gospel brought to earth in the person of our only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May this Advent season reawaken our sense of awe and wonder in who you are and the amazing things you have done. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us join in singing together our opening hymn, 139, I Wonder As I Wonder. Accommodating. Um, woke up this morning, I felt fine, and about an hour before we came to church, I started throwing up. Uh, so I uh, have a bucket up here, so if I... Uh, something happens, I told Davey, make sure you turn off the microphone if I don't get to it first. <laughs> Mike asked, I said, no, the show must go on, so don't worry about me. Yeah, that's right. I hope... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope everyone had a nice time with family. Good Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't think it was the food. I hope not, anyway. I hope not the Thanksgiving food. We've been eating up all the leftovers these past few days. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for the sunshine, the beating of our hearts, the air in our lungs. Lord, even though that some of us are sick, we are sustained by your power alone. And we've come here to give you the glory as we remember what you have done for us, taking on our form, becoming like us, so that we might have a relationship with, the, with God the Father. We ask that you would meet us here this morning and open us to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so I'm going to be talking a lot today um, about theoretical things. Um, difference between theoretical and practical. Um, a theoretical statement would be stating what is the case. Um, it is the case that the sun is a burning ball of hydrogen and helium versus a practical statement which would say something like this. You should spend time in the sun because of the vitamin D that our bodies absorb from the rays of the sun. And so Theoretical is stating something that is the case, and much of what um, the prophet Isaiah has to say in his book is theoretical. He's stating what is the case, and so we're going to be spending a lot of time in that. Before we do that, though, um, the title of today's sermon, Old Testament Prophet Visions, um, I added to that, the vision is the plan of God, which is Jesus the Christ. And so when I was in high school, um, I had to take health classes. Um, many of you probably took the same classes, all about physical health, nutrition, also drugs and alcohol. And one day as I walked into the classroom, I saw my teacher and some of my other classmates looking at these really odd-looking glasses. Uh, they were just really bizarre. They had these huge lenses that extended out and probably an inch thick and and those glasses were special glasses designed to simulate what it is like when you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And so everyone in the class took a turn putting on the glasses, and then we tried to walk a straight line in the front of the classroom. Anyone ever tried these glasses? Do you know what I'm referring to? Anyone? No? Okay. <laughs> Well, when you put on these glasses, everything becomes blurry. It's, it's very disorienting. Um, shapes are not crisp. 
um, colors run together, and you can sort of make out figures of, of people, but you can't really tell who they are. You can just kind of see this, this kind of uh, somewhat of a shape that kind of runs together, and you obviously can't tell who they are, um, or you can't see the features of a person's face. And so you might say, well, what's the point I'm making in this? Well, I, I often think that this is what it might have been like for the prophets as they prophesied their message. They could see, and, and maybe some of them could see a little bit more clearly than others, but they couldn't see with perfect clarity, with perfect vision, when they spoke these messages. And what I mean is that the prophets, they could make out the direction that God was guiding and leading his people they could see some shapes and some colors, but those shapes and colors kind of ran together. They could make out the figure of someone, but they couldn't see that person's face or see any detail. Now, Peter says in Second Peter that we, meaning the church, have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. And Paul says in Ephesians that we have been given knowledge of the mystery that was hidden for hidden in God for ages, knowledge that was not made known to the generations before him. And so God has fully disclosed his plan of salvation to us through Jesus. And we have the benefit of reading what the prophets heard before Jesus came. And so as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be speaking primarily from Isaiah. So if you wouldn't mind turning there, we're going to be flipping through many pages of Isaiah this morning. Some of the main ideas from the book of Isaiah, we're going to start with chapter 1, but some of the main ideas uh, that come from the book of Isaiah, uh, number one, judgment is coming for sin. But the Lord will keep for himself a remnant that will endure the coming judgment because salvation belongs to the Lord. And he will restore his chosen people by washing away their sins and giving them new life. And from this remnant will grow a new people holy and blameless before the Lord. And so we're going to start Isaiah chapter 1. And we're going to start with this theme that judgment is coming for sin. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. And so here the Lord calls attention to the fact that He has been like a father to His people. And they have rebelled against Him. And even though we typically think that it is somewhat normal for children to rebel to a certain extent against their parents. Young Evelyn is 20 months old and she knows how to say, no daddy. <laughs> she knows how to say that. 
But even though we kind of think that this is normal to a certain extent, notice that the Lord sees this as completely unnatural by the analogies that he uses. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. And I know that many of you raise livestock, have raised livestock, and how many of those animals have rebelled against you and decided that they know what is best for them? How many of your animals have told you that they know better than you? Rebellion is unnatural. Let's go down to chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. How the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Our best wine mixed with water, your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. And so the Lord's people had become two-faced. They were set apart as holy, to, as a holy people to the Lord, but now they had become mixed with the world and the other nations. At one time, they were like pure silver, but now they had become a mixture of metals full of imperfections. At one time, they were pure wine, but now they had become diluted with unclean water that would cause the wine to spoil. Their leaders were once upright, but now they had become partners with crooks. The people were trustworthy and honest in their dealings with others, but now they were ruled by dishonest dealings, cheating, lying. As a result, the poor and the needy were forgotten. Well, the Lord isn't going to let this stand, and so he tells Isaiah what's going to happen. Move over to Isaiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply. All support of bread and all support of water. The mighty man and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder. The captain of fifty and the man of rank. The counselor and the skillful, skillful magician and the expert in charms. This is here a reference to uh, a medical doctor. And I will make boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them, and the people will oppress one another, every one his fellow, and every one his neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder, and the despised the honorable. And so the degradation of society is seen here. Leaders are no longer leaders. Food and supplies are of short supply. The people will oppress one another, fighting for power. Infants shall rule over them. This is a reference to foreign nations who would set up infants as emperors. And so I ask the question, why did this judgment come upon God's people? And in order to understand this, we need to go back to Exodus and Deuteronomy. And so after the Exodus, as the nation of Israel stood before the Lord at Mount Sinai, he declared to them in Exodus chapter 19, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests 
and a holy nation. And so notice the condition to the covenant. If you will obey, then you will be my treasured possession. The Israelites were required to obey the Lord to reap the benefits of his blessings. Now, after spending 40 years in the wilderness, the Israelites were prepared to enter the promised land. Before they entered, Moses reminded the people of the covenant that had been established with the Lord at Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy 28, if you want to, you don't have to turn there now, but make a note, mark this in your Bible. This is a very important chapter, passage in God's word. It's key key for us to understand what's happening in the New Testament and in large part, most of the Old Testament, there is a listing of both blessings and curses for obedience to the covenant that was established at Sinai and was renewed just as the people were ready to enter into the promised land. Chapter 28, verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. Going down just a few verses, chapter 28, verse 15, the Lord says, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And so approximately 700 years later, the people of Israel began to experience the fullness of their failures to live up to the covenant that had been established with the Lord at Mount Sinai. And this is what Isaiah is speaking to. The failure of the people was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking directly to their failures as a nation to love God first, to witness to the ends of the earth that he is the one true living God, to live as a people that had been set apart by God, and to execute justice and mercy. And so he says, judgment is coming for sin, but the Lord will keep for himself a remnant that will endure the coming judgment. In chapter 3, we can go back to Isaiah now. Give you a moment to turn there if you turn to Deuteronomy. In chapter 3, Isaiah announces the coming judgment of the Lord against Judah and Jerusalem. All these terrible things are coming. But then the Lord says something profound in verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord says, Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Move over to chapter 4, verse 2. The Lord says, In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. The Lord will keep for himself a remnant that will endure the coming judgment. This is what he is saying. In chapter 5, the Lord weeps for His people. He describes them as a vineyard that He planted. He tended the ground, He planted the seeds, and He stood in the midst of it. But the vineyard only yielded wild grapes, rebellious people that were good for nothing. 
And therefore the Lord says that He will remove the hedges of the vineyard. They will break down its walls. He says it shall be trampled down and only weeds will grow in its place. But after describing all the destruction that will come upon Israel, the Lord says at the end of chapter 6, verse 13, that a stump will remain. The holy seed is its stump, he says. What is this holy seed? What is this stump that's being referred to here? The picture that's being described for us is like a, a tree. This tree grew to become exceedingly large, but it had become worthless. It did not produce fruit. Its branches and leaves were diseased. And so the farmer decided to cut it down. But instead of raising the tree from the ground, he decided to cut it down to the stump and let it sprout new life. The stump of this tree would be the catalyst for this new thing that the Lord was going to do. The remnant of Israel that the Lord would keep for Himself, it would be the catalyst of something new. And so the destruction of Israel described for us in chapter 5 and the Lord's promise to keep for Himself a holy stump described in chapter 6 is immediately followed by chapter 7 where we read in verse 14. Turn there with me if you can. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The stump of this tree would be the catalyst for something new. And it gets even better in chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end of the increase of his government and of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And so moving into chapter 10 now, despite the fact that the Lord will carry off his people into exile, he promises that a remnant will return he says in verses 21 and 22, a remnant will return. The remnant of Jacob to the mighty God, for through your people Israel, for though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. And so you see this idea going into chapter 11, and I want to read this to you. Follow along with me. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. 
And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. (laughs) When I hear that, I'm just blown away by that. (laughs) And the weaned child shall put his hand on the otter's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and will call them the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart and those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west and together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall put out the hand against Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites shall obey them. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it into seven channels. And he will lead people across in sandals. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. And so judgment is coming for sin, but... The Lord will keep a remnant for himself that will endure the coming judgment. And this is because salvation belongs to the Lord. You remember several weeks ago we read Psalm 3, that salvation belongs to the Lord. And Isaiah prophesies the same message in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Salvation is only found in the Lord. This is immensely comforting, especially in the light of the last, what, nine, ten months? (laughs) Salvation is not something that can be taken away from us by any person in this world. They can't lock down salvation. They can't keep it from us. can't be taken away by war or disease because it is forever secure in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Go to chapter 14 of Isaiah. This is one of my favorite parts of the book of Isaiah. Chapter 14, verse 1. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Speaking of this restoration, this remnant that will return that the Lord will keep for himself. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel and will set them in their own land. And sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house 
of Jacob. We are the sojourners. We are the ones who were outside of God's family that have now been brought into the family of God. We are now a part of his chosen people. And so again, Isaiah says, judgment is coming for sin, but the Lord is going to keep for himself a remnant that will endure the coming judgment because salvation belongs to the Lord and he will restore his chosen people by washing away their sins and giving them new life. Mercy and grace. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve and grace is receiving what we do not deserve. All the way back in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, we read this. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become wool. We deserve punishment, but God has shown mercy to us. And we do not deserve His grace, but God has given it to us. And so we are restored from death to life. Isaiah says in chapter 25, verse 8, He will swallow up death forever. Many of you probably recall this from John's book of Revelation. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Chapter 26, verse 19, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. God's people did not remember the covenant that they had made with Him. The Lord promised that destruction would come, and so it did. But He also promised that He would keep for Himself a remnant that would endure, and from this remnant would sprout new life. The sins of the people would be washed away and they would be given new life. And so now we come to one of the main messages of the Bible. One of the main messages of the prophets, and this is what they saw in advance and prophesied about, and it ties all of what I have just said together. One of the main messages that Jesus himself declared to us, the holy stump, a shoot from the stump of Jesse that shall bear fruit in the future. This remnant that the Lord is referring to, this is none other than Jesus the Christ. Chapter 40, verse 11, says He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Isaiah prophesies about the Lord's chosen servant in chapter 42. And he says of this chosen servant, excuse me, in chapter 42, verse 6, of this chosen servant, he says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. And I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. I will give you as a covenant for the people. Think about that for a second. This is why we call him the Prince of Peace. This is why Isaiah calls him the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the holy stump from whom this new tree grows. 
He did what we could not do. He followed the law of the Lord perfectly. He was without sin. He honored God the Father in all His ways. He chose the Lord's will for His life and not His own will. He served God the Father and no one else. He died for our sins so that we might live. He was pierced for our transgressions. And the Lord has promised not to remember our sins, which He bore on the cross for us, to give us new life in Him. Isaiah said, I will give you as a light for the nations. This is what the Lord said. Does that sound familiar? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the first verses of John's Gospel, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isaiah 43.10 says, You are my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Jesus said in John 14, Believe in God and believe also in me. And so the title of the sermon is Old Testament Prophet Visions. The visions that the prophets saw were of the plan of God. This is what they were seeing. The plan that God had for our salvation. They didn't see the plan of God as we now see it. But they saw that God was going to do something new for his people. They knew that the plan of God involved a savior. A servant who would be faithful to God in all his ways. A servant who would bear the sins of the people. A servant who would bring new life to God's chosen people. A servant who would be our new covenant with God. And who would be a light for the nations. A servant who would be the foundation for a new holy people a people of God that were not marked out by ethnicities or circumcision, but rather marked out by the Holy Spirit of God living within them. This is why the New Testament places such a high emphasis on being found in Christ, of being in Christ. Paul uses that word, that phrase, over 40 times just alone in the book of Ephesians. Jesus is the faithful servant. The remnant that God kept for himself. The holy stump that has sprouted new growth in all ends of the earth. It is by being in Christ that we have forgiveness of sins. That we experience new life. The covenant that the Lord made with his people at Sinai was broken. Not because he was unfaithful, because we were unfaithful. And so God prophesied through Isaiah that he would make a new covenant. In fact, that he would give his servant as a new covenant. The new covenant that we have with God has been established by Jesus. And you know what that means? It cannot be broken. Amen. It cannot be broken. He is faithful even when we are not. Jesus is faithful forever. This is why our salvation, this is why our hope for eternal life is secure. 
now and forevermore. And the new community that the Lord has established, it's called His church. Paul uses this analogy of a body. He says that Christ is the head and we are the members of that body. And so in closing, I would say that the prophets saw a vision of what the Lord was going to do for His people. But they didn't have a clear picture. We do have a clear picture. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year, as we remember what our Lord Jesus has done for us, let us remember that it has always been about Jesus. It is still about Jesus. And it will always be about Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us and just uh, the, the, the wonderful blessings that we receive from it. Lord Jesus, thank you for doing what we could not do. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for willingly laying down your life on a cross for our sake. Thank you for becoming like us, for becoming a covenant for us so that we may experience new and eternal life, but more than that, a relationship with you, that we can be found in you and that we can live and move and have our being in you, as Paul says in the book of Acts. I ask that you would bless this nation. I ask for an awakening, Lord. I pray that you would awaken the hearts and minds of those whose hearts and minds have become darkened. You are the light. You can shine into their lives. And I pray that you would call a mighty, mighty number into your kingdom in these coming days. I want to see a revival, Lord. And I pray for our leaders that you would give them wisdom to make correct decisions. And I also pray for the health of, of everyone in this congregation and for those in our communities. Lord, there's something going on, some virus. And oh, Lord, we ask that you would sustain us through it as you have done for so many days lord jesus thank you again for this day and this time together it is in your name that we pray amen thank you for being accommodating i don't know what's next now it's up to mike okay i went to the memorial Okay, uh, Christine, do you have any updates that you need to share with us? All righty. Uh, yes, uh, we had had Gary Morris on the prayer chain, uh, Joyce Strickler's brother. Yeah. She had called and asked to have him put on. He's being tested for COVID. We were praying that he was not diagnosed with it but I got a call from her right after that he was diagnosed with it oh. and Gary has very high risk Gary has gone through open heart surgery yeah. uh, knee, knee surgeries uh, all kinds of things yeah. happenings in his body yeah. that doctor was saying we do not need COVID yet yeah. so I'll keep in touch with her what's happening and maybe have it on the prayer chain again possibly what's going on with him Hopefully and prayerfully, he does not get real sick. Yes. Um, and his daughter had been on. She had been diagnosed. Ashley Morris now. We had just, she was to put on praises, but I think 
Susan forgot to do it. But uh, she is on praises now. Um, updates with people that are on our prayer guide. Check your prayer list there. Kevin Zorin. He is doing really well. He is hoping to have his pump removed next week, and then they can remove the Hickman. That's a type of procedure that he had on. Lisa and I will start radiation therapy. She needs 30 treatments. So pray for Lisa, too. Oh, my. That's a lot. Uh, very much, in fact, for radiation. Londa Brandt, who has been on our under cancer on a prayer guide is doing well she will be getting her hair cut and wig tomorrow oh. and that's happiness for her yeah. i know that feeling and uh, you think wig but no you're blessed with it two doctor appointments this week blood work and chemo on friday this is all for londa pray that everything will go smoothly this week thank you for praying and keep on praying this is from her mom darlene so uh, these people are trying to keep updated with everyone. Oh, I have another new one, Cynthia Runkle, daughter of Linda Daub. She is undergoing medical testing, very serious problems there. We're not sure what's happening, but prayerfully, uh, nothing too serious. So that, con that concludes what I have updated. Okay. Thank you, Christine. Anybody else have a need to share? Let me get Davy. I'll be right over time. Yeah, right. Yeah, I understand. Oh, uh, speaking of West Green Tree, does anybody know about Ryan? Oh, Ryan, I forgot. Okay. Uh, he he has he was in the med center and he has he came home Monday evening. That was put through on the prayer chain. Okay. But he is it, and we have on the prayer guide now that he was released from Hershey Med. Okay. He is recovering at home. But uh, quite a few members of the family all have COVID. Oh, wow. So this is not a good thing. Yeah. Pray for him and the whole family. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I just wanted to uh, leave Tina know that um, my neighbor loved her prayer shawl and um, the book. She uh, said it was the brightest part of her day that day. So um, thanks to the church for praying for her and for Tina's heart at making all of her prayer shawls. Good. Good. Oh, there is Tina. Hi. I usually see you up here. Anyone else? Anything? Nothing? Okay. All right. Tina's going to do it. Tina says she'll help. And Amy and Doc. Okay. Two more. Okay. We're going to stand here until somebody puts up their hand. <laughs> yeah, just uh, contact Christine. And, and uh, it's not hard. You know, it's everything's laid out for you. You don't have to do a thing. Just read. So uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing that... Uh, Pastor Sandy has updated that, so uh, we'll do that. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's come to before the Lord in prayer, and we'll address some of our concerns. Heavenly Father, thank you for having us here this morning. Thank you for this gorgeous day that we have enjoyed. And oh, last night I got awake with the moon shining through my windows, bright as day. What a beautiful, beautiful evening that was. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, you are the maker of all things good. And we praise you for that. And therefore, we call on your name for those individuals that Christine has read uh, listings of, people looking to upcoming procedures, people preparing for various treatments. Lord, touch them. Let them know that we are praying for them. Let them know that they are not forgotten. Lord, this is a trying time for a lot of people during this, this epidemic, this pandemic. Lord, touch people. Heal them. Give them hope. And give them your strength. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray for Christians throughout the world who are experiencing all sorts of oppression, especially in Nigeria, Lord. Touch those folks. Lord, we cannot imagine the oppression that those people are going through. And we pray that you will lift them up, that you will touch them and, and give them great faith, give them great perseverance. Lord, we have no idea. And we can't talk to them personally. We only find out remnants of information through, through news sources and through our, our offices. Lord, help them. Not only help the folks in Nigeria, but also Christians throughout the world. And not just in foreign places, Lord. In our country alone, we are experiencing in sporadic areas persecution. Lord, like Pastor Ryan said, we will not give up hope. We will not let the world overcome us because we have faith in you, Lord, and you are our leader. We do pray for our leaders here, our secular leaders. Lord, give them wisdom. Give them grace. Let them turn to you for, for guidance. And again, we pray for a revival of, of Christians here in this world, in this nation. Lord, a nation that that's cherished your guidance for years and years, now is falling away. Lord, bring us back. Bring us back, Lord. Let us be a shining light on top of a hill. Lord, we've asked this about all of these concerns and all the joys for people who have experienced wellness through various treatments that your doctors have provided. Lord, Bless everyone. As we go into the Christmas season, renew our hearts, lift our spirits, and let us know that all is not lost because you are our Savior. You are our leader. And we pray this in your Son's holy name, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.